podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. We're back to weighing. I think we're back to weighing. Um, it's another World Cup winter break pod. This one is a World Cup themed pod. Uh, so a slight break from our interview pod, but we thought as the World Cup's going on, a little update, see how the Palace players are getting on, any players caught our eye, and just to catch up with our panellists, which this week is Grace Matheson. Grace, great to see you. Hot off the back of our quiz episode, which hasn't gone out yet, so no spoilers, but that was a, a, an interesting episode. It was, yeah. Looking forward to everyone being able to hear hear how it all went, but yeah, no spoilers. No spoilers. And people, you, That all could be out on Monday and people can play along with that as well, so I'm looking forward to see how that goes, that goes down. Jesse Boyce is back. First time for a long time. How are you doing? Hey, Jim, I thought you forgot about me. No, I think you have asked me a couple of times, but I haven't been able to do it. So, um, yeah, thanks to be, thanks for the uh, for not forgetting about me, and um, <laughs> happy to happy to wade in. I've seen, been listening to your pods; they've been very good with Will Brahimovich and Doc Brown. So, um, yeah, glad to join the void and help help fill the kind of uh, the thirst for all things Palace. Indeed, we, I uh, could never break. forget about you. I could never forget about you, Jesse. That just would never. <laughs> that would never happen. Um, shall we? Uh, before well, before we crack on, so I've got a few bits of admin. So, um, if I could do a quick shout out for my solo show in well, it was going to be January. It's been a date change now. It's now the 9th of February. At Angel Comedy uh, is my Edinburgh show that got four stars, and uh, it's called Jim Daly Football and Fathered. Last time I'm doing it ever. So if you. Heard me bang on about it in the summer. Didn't get to see it. Please come and see it in February on the 9th. 6.30 kickoff at the Bill Murray. And tickets from angelcomedy.co.uk. They're eight quid each. It would be great to see you. Um, another thing that's happening this Christmas is something called Kitmas. Now, I wanted to do a shout out to this really quickly because I saw a friend of mine, Vic Slayton, who's a comedian, talk about it on social media. It's a fundraiser that's been founded by Mark Watson's brother, Paul. I'm sure you all know Mark Watson, the comedian. His brother, Paul, has set up Kitmas to try and rehome pre-loved football shirts for cash-strapped families this Christmas. It's a great idea. He started it in 2020, and he aimed to collect 100 football shirts in his local area. And through word of mouth, they got 3,000 shirts, which are then sent out to 22 different towns in the UK and £30,000 raised, which was amazing. So this year, they're aiming to get to 5,000 shirts, and they're adding a drop-off point in London. The Kitmas Appeal, great name, by the way, we all love a pun, encourages football supporters to raid their cupboards for pre-loved kits that families no longer wear, 
to be distrib- distributed to deprived communities across the UK ahead of Christmas Eve. It's such a lovely, lovely idea. And I thought FYP listeners, knowing how lovely they are, might want to get involved. So I thought I'd just shine a light um, on this. As well as contributing shirts and donations, clubs and supporters groups are able to get involved at a local level using crowdfunder.co.uk who are partnering this scheme. Community trusts or individuals can uh, quickly create a fundraising campaign of their own to ensure young people in the area receive their club shirt this Christmas. Uh, There's three ways to get involved, and I'll put these in the show notes below as well. You can donate money, straightforward. 100% of donations go to buying new shirts to give to children on Christmas Day and send them where they're needed. Uh, And the more money collected, the more shirts they can buy. And you can donate at crowdfunder.co.uk slash p slash kitmus hyphen 2022. I'll put the link below. That's not a memorable URL. I'll put it below so you can click on that. You can donate a shirt. If you've got any shirts lying around you don't wear anymore, then Kitmus would love to accept them as long as they're in a sort of very good to like new condition, ideally. Um, So none of your old sweaty Sunday league kits, please. Uh, And send them to Kitmus Appeal, PO Box 481, Stroud, GL6, 1NZ. There's also a London drop-off, and you can sort that out by emailing kitmusappeal at gmail.com. The third option is you can set up your own Kitmus through Crowdfunder locally, uh, but to do that, you'll have to buy the shirts yourself and distribute them. But if you want to do that as well, you can do that too, and the details are in the show notes below. So please get involved if you think that's something you can get involved with at this Christmas time. Right. Also at this Christmas time, Grace, is a World Cup, (laughs) which is absolutely (laughs) mad. We'll get into in a minute starting off with how the Palace players are getting on. But just in general, how have you found this World Cup? Because it's, I found, as it kicked off, I found it really hard to get into for obvious reasons. Did you find the same? How are you finding it now? Yeah, I was a bit conflicted before the tournament started because of obviously all the political um, drama, for want of a better word, that's been surrounding it. And it's been, you just can't ignore any of that that's been going on and it shouldn't be ignored. Um, But, that made it harder to get into. I don't think there was as much advertising of the World Cup as there usually is, added with the fact that it's in the middle of winter when it's getting colder outside, it's dark at four o'clock. It's not quite the same as sitting in a in a beer garden yeah. all day watching three games in the sun. Um, <laughs> but I think as the tournament's gone on, obviously probably helped by England doing well, um, I've sort of I have been watching it more than I thought I would be to begin with so the the lure of four games a day at some points has been too much to ignore yeah me too we'll get on to england and wales later on and how they've how they've respectively um done i do think as well you're absolutely right like all the sort of issues around it shouldn't be ignored and some people have been raising it. alex scott wore the one love rainbow armband on tv which was great the germany team did their hand over the mouth a lot of teams haven't been able to um say any political message they'd like to so yeah it's been a weird one jesse hasn't it and i think shout out to the people that have done there was that guy who ran across the pitch in one of the games with a rainbow flag with support iranian women on the front and with another message on the front he covered all bases which is great to him god knows what's happened to him hope he's okay but fair play to the people that have done you know tried to to shout out any political message during the world cup because it would be very risky i heard that he got off scot-free i heard that did he he? oh great yeah any kind of uh punishment which is great they probably realized that anything they did would be massively highlighted so yeah um yeah if anything, i'm surprised because i thought you'd thought they'd just stamp that out so no one else did it so hopefully others will take his lead <laughs> yeah um yeah i think um it just seems like it all came out of nowhere it's like we should have known that this was this was going to be um it, it would all come out in the wash you know just how much would be tolerated and clamped down on and silenced and so on 
Um, but just uh, sticking to the football for a second, I've just I've just forgotten what countries when they when they when some of the first games started. Yeah. Like, Can- Canada forgot about them, <laughs> and um, a couple of others like Morocco, I guess. Just teams and it, like Australia against Argentina. That is, I think, our, our very own Jack Pierce picked that one out as it sounds like it's a rugby fixture. It's uh, <laughs> it's just great to see sort of countries that you probably never played never played each other before in a World Cup certainly. Um, it's getting to that phase now, isn't it? And it just feels like some of some of these final group games have felt like knockout games because it, it feels like at least one of them should have gone to penalties. <laughs> They've just had such heightened kind of uh, fervor and panic that even at goals, single goals could change everything in the tables. Yellow cards, even the other night for Poland. So. It's there's been yeah. some really good drama in these group games, so I think it's set up for some excellent quarterfinals now. Yeah, this is a real second, second round. Sorry, second round. Yeah, so so we're recording yeah. this on the last day of the group stages yeah. before Ghana's group, actually, and we'll go on to that now. Actually, with with, with Jordan Ayew, who's had a mixed campaign already so far, giving away the goals uh, against Portugal uh, when they were leading, I think, but then setting up two, I think it was in their in their next game, wasn't it, um, against South Korea. Um, Great. There was two players at Palace going into this tournament. Jordan Ayew, of course, uh, Ghana, and then uh, Joachim Anderson at uh, Denmark. I think we all assumed Joachim would get further. He's the one that's coming home sooner. It looks like if Ghana have a good result today against Uruguay, they will go through. Are we surprised that it looks like Jordan's going further than Joa? In some ways, yeah. I thought, I think, not sure anyone would have had Denmark to be finishing bottom of that group with a, a solitary point. Um, yeah. So I'm sure they'll be really disappointed. Um, obviously, it's good that Anderson, I mean, he played every minute, I think it was, um, and has managed to not pick up any injury. So that's the positives <laughs> I can get from his World Cup involvement. But, um, but yeah, Ghana seemed to, be, seemed to be doing really well, obviously, pending their game today against Uruguay. Um, hopefully they'll qualify and and Ayu can can keep going and see how far they get. But yeah, he seems to be like Marmite for the Ghana fans as as well as the Palace fans. So that's interesting. Always reading the responses to the to the um, lineup tweets. Yeah, he, you're right. He really it's funny. He divides the Ghana fans as much as he does Palace. Have you Jesse? Have you felt a little bit sort of? It, it was always proud to see our players out there, but with the. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I get, not abuse. With the backlash Gar- uh, Jordan's been getting online, I, I, I've i been a little bit like, no, F you. Like, come on, Jordan. Like, you can do this. Like, it's actually be giving me another element, another level to cheer him on. It's just so strange seeing him on set pieces and launching <laughs> launching looping crosses like Trippier or something into the uh, in, into the box, which have resulted in two, two assists in one game, I think he got. Yeah. Um, and he's wearing the number nine shirt as well. So it just feels like he's been plucked out of Palace and just given a whole new role in a different shirt. I mean, it's, it's just quite interesting to see. Um, I Actually, because this is a real grudge match against Uruguay after what happened 12 yeah. years ago in South Africa. And I just thought, I'd, I'll just look and see what the squad was. I looked at earlier on for that game. Because uh, AU, on Jordan AU, probably just a bit too young for that one, but Andre AU was on the bench for that, actually, 12 years ago. Wow, and and he's also got another brother. I didn't know I could Ibrahim Au, who was also on the bench. I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah, he's got a couple of brothers who are still, all still playing. Obviously, AU, both uh, Andre and him himself are in the squad, but Ibrahim is not. So um, it feels like, they, but I don't think they came on. They just stayed on the bench. But maybe maybe Jordan can help Ghana get some uh, sweet revenge, and it'll, maybe then they'll make maybe a bit less marmite for them. 
But I'm see, looking, I think that's going to yeah. tasty game today. It's going to be a tasty game today. I'm looking much like my mate. I'm looking forward to seeing Jordan handball it on the line uh, <laughs> <laughs> in in the proper 360 reversal. I didn't realise there was another brother because their dad is Abdi Pele, I think, isn't he? Who was also a Ghanaian international sort of back in the eight, 70s and 80s and 90s. So what a footballing family. Um, Grace, it's nice to see, actually. There's, uh, I remember in, was it 2000 or 2002 when, when Pele said, no, it was in the 90s, and Pele said an African nation will win the World Cup before the turn of the century. And then I think this is the first time since 98 that two African nations have qualified for the knockout round. Could be three today. It is nice, isn't it, seeing the African nations finally sort of coming together and actually having a good showing at the World Cup? Because traditionally, certainly in the last 20, 30 years, they've not done so well. Yeah, I saw. A, I think I saw a stat yesterday about something to do with um, each of the six FIFA nations being represented for the first time since however yeah. long um, past the group stages. So, yeah, it's always good to have a spread across across the world really and it's good to get the different styles of football the different approaches and and I enjoy as well seeing the different fan bases I mean um some of the like the Senegalese fans and the Cameroon fans just look like a, a group of people you'd love to be amongst obviously not for not for the England game um with the <laughs> Senegal fans but um yeah no it, it's been really good so maybe um actually funnily enough I was reading something about the the Uruguay-Ghana game and about how bitter they all still are about Suarez and how much they hated him because they thought that was going to be their chance. Because yeah. I think it was it in a quarterfinal. I think um, it was, yeah. So obviously then you're if you're in the semi, you're only essentially 180 minutes away from from that cup. So they're still, yeah, he's very much hated in Ghana, apparently, from what I was reading. So she can't be surprised by. So well, I think he like he loves being the villain, doesn't he? There's one player that loves being the Panto villain. It is Luis Suarez. Um, if they go through Ghana today, if Portugal lose, they could. I think they could top the group. Oh, there's a goal difference of three, a swing there. They'll probably get Brazil in the next round, which would be difficult. How, how do you think Ghana can go further than that, Jesse? With Jordan leading the line, I think Ghana. Uh, AU Jordan. <laughs> have to use first names here, don't we? There's so many AUs. So. <laughs> Jordan AU, I think you'd have to pull out something a bit like what he did to West Ham on Boxing Day. Yeah. Uh, he's got to start playing, meet, meet the Brazilians in the middle somewhere with some of that flair that we know he's got tucked away. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't put it past him. He's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? Yeah. So he's got surprises for better and worse. So, uh, yeah, let's let's hope for it. They don't get a drumming anyway. It has been well. It has been a World Cup of surprises, to be fair. So you know, it wouldn't last night with the Japan top in the group, and at one point Japan and Costa Rica both going through was was classic World Cup football. Really, it was great. So we wish by the time this goes out, we'll probably know actually what the uh, what the Ghana result is and who they've got in the next round. And then just going back to Joa Grace, we're <laughs> it's difficult because we want our players to do well. But as you said earlier, we're quite happy maybe that he's come home early. He's got a nice break now until because a lot of Premier League teams got a lot of players left in until we return against Fulham on Boxing Day no injuries are we actually secretly quite happy that they've come bottom yeah obviously from a selfish point of view um (laughs) it's not a bad thing for us obviously it would have been great for him to have kept going as far as they could um and I'm sure he's gutted as, as they all are but selfishly yeah glad to have him back in one piece and for him to have a couple of weeks off um, before we get going again, because like you say, there's there's plenty of people that will probably be coming back, tired legs, lots of travel, etc. Um, so hopefully be able to hit the ground running. 
Yeah, we'll give Jordan a, few, a week off after he lifts the World Cup, of course, in, in late December, and we'll let him have an extra break. Uh, speaking of breaks, let's take one now quickly, because when we come back, we're going to talk about England and Wales and their contrasting campaign so far. Fancy a free case of delicious beer this festive season while watching the World Cup or your loved ones beat you at Monopoly? <laughs> of course you do. Beer 52 are offering FYP listeners eight free beers now. We've partnered with uh, our pals at Beer 52 who have sponsored the pod many times before and we've also had a great reception from our listeners and they're offering FYP listeners a case of eight craft beers uh, this Christmas. Just go to beer52.com slash FYP and cover the postage cost of $5.95 to claim your free case. Now, uh, FYP listeners have been taking up loads of previous offers of Beer 52, always enjoyed it from what we've heard. Each month, Beer 52 send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, showcasing the best independent breweries from across the globe, so you might end up with a beer from the country you got in your World Cup sweepstake. So far, members have experienced beers from 40 different countries spanning five continents, from big, juicy, pale ales to delicious, sumptuous stouts. You can try the best beers from across the world with the UK's number one beer club. And if dark beer is not your thing, you can choose a light-only case. Included is also the award-winning Ferment magazine, which I know is Jack Pierce's favourite, and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if after all that you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So go to beer52.com slash FYP to claim your free case now. All you've got to do is cover the five ninety five postage. That's beer, the word beer, 52, the numbers 52.com slash FYP. Right, welcome back to the FYP World Cup Winter. Sounds weird, doesn't it? Edition. Way. Uh, just me. Um, so let's do let's concentrate on England versus Wales. England are through to the next round. Of course, got Senegal on Sunday evening. Wales out. Did they come bottom in the end? I think they came bottom of their group. Grace, are you am I right thinking you're you got a collection to Welsh? You've got some Welsh family? Is that right? Have I got that completely wrong? Yeah, so I went to uni in Swansea and my boyfriend is Welsh. Right, um, okay. So we had, yeah, conflicting emotions in our mm-hmm. household the other day. We, we actually had a couple of his friends who were both also Welsh over, so I was outnumbered in my in my own flat by them. But um, I was obviously the happier party by the end of, end of the night. I think they were a bit disappointed by the... The performance they they put out really. I know um, Rob Page said couldn't be more proud of them and couldn't have expected any more. But I think um, obviously qualifying for the World Cup was incredible, and they were they were delighted with that. But once they'd got there, I think they wanted a bit more really and expected a bit more. Um, but from an England side, obviously great great performance. Finally saw the sort of team that people have been hoping to see, and and it reaped in the goals. Let's let, come to England in a minute because I've got some big theories about them. But Wales are not the team of 2016, are they? No, that was six years ago. So Bale's six years older, Ramsey six years older. They had particularly difficult tournaments. It's just not the same team, is it? That that, that stormed the Euros in France. No, no, they've all like you say they've all aged a bit, and they seem to have a bit of a a gap now between that generation and the next generation coming through. Um, and I mean, they've still got some good players coming through. I can't understand how Brennan Johnson didn't get more yeah. minutes having watched him absolutely tear us apart at Nottingham Forest just before the break. Um, yeah. And then they've obviously got the likes of like Ampadu and Kiefer Moore, but couldn't quite 
pull it together in the same way that they did in in 2016 and um I think this might be sort of a real transition changing of the guard period for them moving forward yeah I think you're probably right and and we didn't see Jesse Johnny Esther in the end I think which was one of the highlights of 2016 with his big ginger beard didn't I don't think he got off the bench once did he no he didn't just shaking hands at the end wearing his bib wasn't he every every game um I found it a bit odd uh, that Bale was subbed at half time. If they knew that he didn't have much in the tank, I think their game plan might have been better off just saving him for the second half and just trying to really park the bus and, until the final 30. So it just felt like that, you know, they were really winding down. Um, but I, I think it was such a small preparation, preparation period for the World Cup. Teams like Wales one of those that would suffer when you're England and you've got an embarrassment of riches you can throw something together that's going to work whereas Wales really just needed all their guns firing and because they've got not not a lot in reserve so I think for the smaller countries with smaller talent pools it's more difficult for them to really um, prepare for, for the World Cup but yeah I think Grace has hit the nail on the head they just really need to kind of find a new crop and get behind them. They were lucky to have the likes of Bale and Ramsey at the same time. Because if you just got one star player, like when it was Giggs era, you, you hang, hang all your hopes on one player. But when they've had Ramsey, I think 2016, they had Ramsey and Bale, great centre-backs like Ashley Williams. Yeah, Even Sam Vokes was stepping up and scoring yeah. headers against Belgium. Like Everyone just stepped up. So they just need to kind of reset a little bit, I think. Yeah, they even had. I mean, Hal Robson Carnu was, you know, doing Cruyff turns in the box against Belgium. Exactly. They had, they had all their fringe players. All that. I mean, Hal Robson Carnu, I think, was unattached at that point as well. Yeah. Um, all stepped up, whereas I think this time they didn't. I mean, and, and obviously, Grace highlight of the tournament for me so far is Wayne Hennessy drop kicking a striker in the head. I mean, you just like you just knew he was going to do something Wayne at some point, wasn't it? And what a way to go out. I mean, yeah, if you're going to go out, that's that's one way to do it. But it was quite, um, we've spent, obviously we spent years watching Hennessy and he always seemed to be different for Wales than he did for Palace in that yeah. he never sort of seemed to have the errors in him that he for Wales that he did for us. And so I think some of my Welsh friends always thought I'm sort of over-exaggerating <laughs> about the stress of watching him in goal sometimes. And then he did that and it felt like all of that was finally vindicated. Um yeah, not too sure what was what was going through his mind. And then um, in the game against England, you had Danny Ward doing what I've seen people call the, the Hennessy shuffle um, for Rashford's free kick, where he went, went a few steps one way and then soaring the other. So, yeah, so that I suspect that might be Hennessy's last. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't see him lasting another four years um, in, in the Wales squad. Maybe he might make it to the next Euros, but I think given he doesn't, doesn't play regularly anymore at club level and and with Danny Ward picking up and I'm sure they must have some more young goalies somewhere in Wales um that it might that might be it for him they must do yeah I don't even I don't know any other Welsh goalkeepers apart from those two Lewis Price is he still knocking around I'm sure he can get a game and they had Owain Fon Williams who's an incredible artist so I know more about his art than I do about his footballing career I think that sums up Wales this year oh dear right let's move on to England though who did top their group um and actually Jesse I I did a little TikTok like taking the piss out of England fans because the reaction has been 
to quote Adam Sales, weddings and funerals massively. There was the 6-2 win. Everyone's like, oh my God, it's coming home. We're going to win. Nil-nil draw against USA. And everyone's like, Southgate out. This is absolutely ridiculous. And then the 3-0 win against Wales. And everyone's like, oh, oh, it is. No, I think it is coming home. Is it coming home? And actually, the USA game has been proven to be actually not a bad result, given they've qualified second and done very well as well. I actually think England are showing this tournament you talked about backup players there and squad players, which obviously people like Rashford. I think Rashford's top scorer actually for England in the World Cup currently with three. Didn't even start the first two games. I think they are showing they have the squad depth. We know they're behind Southgate. We know that they love him. I, I think I think a lot of people have overreacted this tournament. I actually think England have got a really good chance of going pretty far, especially with a you'd think a favourable second round tie against Senegal. Yeah, I feared the worst just based on the results building up to it. Um, and Southgate looking a little bit like he'd gone a bit safe with his squad, but you know he's been his loyalty's been rewarded a little bit. He's he's really stuck his neck out starting Maguire in all three games. So no, two games was it? Um, I think all I think, three. I think all three. Yeah, maybe there was a doubt, wasn't there? But I think he did start the second one. Um, so yeah, he's been rewarded for that loyalty. I think players like Mount. Personally, I'm not a fan. I think he just reminds me of. When he played Ali uh, in the semi-final of the last World Cup after a terrible season, he's just he can be slightly blindly loyal. Um, but you know, he, I think it sort of comes out. Some of it, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't for him. Um, the, the I think the, the back four picks itself for the next game. I think Trippier should probably come back in. Uh, Walker looked like he was probably struggling anyway when he came off. Um, Obviously, Rice and Bellingham. I personally love Foden. I think Rashford's got to start after. I think Rashford's got three goals in about 107 minutes as well. He's got wow. some of the other play. Some of the other players on three goals have played. You know, the full 90 minutes each game. So he's really got a bit between his teeth. Rashford, crazy not to start him. I think the, the area that I would worry about is that third midfield. I think Rice and Bellingham put themselves. I don't know about Henderson. I mean, Henderson did well to do 90 minutes the other day. But if he doesn't, if it feels like the Madison and Gallagher selections are literally for the 30 minutes extra time when you need that bit of harassment from Gallagher just to kind of keep us on the front foot. Uh, maybe Madison for his set pieces and for penalties, you can just see him coming on for that, a bit added threat. But if he goes into those knockout games, expecting them to putting them on for 10 minutes in extra time, expecting them to do something. They're a bit cold. So I, th- I would like to see Gallagher and Madison get some minutes in. So if, if we go two nil up and there's 25 minutes left, put them on, just give them some minutes because it just feels, you know, he put Rashford and Saka on cold to take penalties. I don't think we need to be getting into that situation again. He's done really well to give minutes to, to Trent in the last game. Um, Wilson's had good minutes for a reserve striker. He's done really well around the squad, giving them some some game time. I just think Madison and Gallagher need some now in this game. It's been really nice, actually, great to see the redemption of Rashford and, and Saka from the Euro. Saka with those two goals in the first game. Obviously, no, no Jaden Sancho here either to have his redemption, but that's been really nice. I mean, Rashford and Saka are two of the most likable footballers you'll ever meet, I think. So I think we all see them as like younger brothers in a way that we want to see do well. But just um, going on the defence thing, because Jesse talking about Maguire then, I'm looking at my World Cup wall chart here, which makes me feel about 15 again. Um, <laughs> I'm actually filling it in for once as well. <laughs> I don't know 
<laughs> never fill them in. I think, from what I can see, only Brazil and Netherlands have let in fewer goals, I think, than England's tournament. Only two so far in a group stage. Um, so actually, and I think goals-wise, have England scored the most? They're certainly up there, I think, potentially the most goals in the group stage as well. So it is working at either end of the pitch. Yeah, it is. And I think, um, yeah, like Jesse said, there was some criticism of Southgate maybe sort of and his his loyalty to Maguire, given that obviously the few times he's featured at Man United this season make it quite clear that Ten Hag doesn't really see him in his, his long-term plans. But that said, even before when he wasn't necessarily great at Man United, he does tend to be better when he's got an England shirt on so you can see why Southgate's gone for it and also I think the sort of stability of knowing who's at the back um, and not keeping chopping and changing Um, so yeah I mean he seems to have he's he's been decent enough the last few games apart from I think it was in the Wales game where I'm not sure if it was a cross or a shot and it went out for a throw (laughs) (laughs) just one of those when he got there yeah, but um, otherwise, no, it, it does. It seems to be working at both ends. And um, yeah, I agree that I think I can't see how he drops or changes either Rashford or Foden after the Wales game. Um, and yeah, it's just that midfield position because Henderson seems to be a sort of safe but quite boring option um, that I'm never, never that keen on. Um, and again, yeah, same same view as Jesse on on Mount really. So it's just whether it's worth taking a bit of a punt either at the start. I suspect he won't, or later down the line if we are in front um, and, and getting those minutes in, like Jesse said. So it's pro- it's probably Argentina or France in the next if they beat Senegal. I think I think that's right. Again, looking at my wall chart, which I, haven't, I need to finish some of the scores. Um, so how far? I'll put you on the spot then, Grace. How far can England go in this tournament, given some of the shocks we've seen, given how well they've done in the group? I think only Spain have matched them for goals from what I can see, which is nine, I think. Can they? Is it coming home? Oh, the, <laughs> the big question. Um, I don't... It's it's hard. The, some of the, the likes of Brazil and that have looked really good so far. Yeah. So it's just if we come up against them, which obviously if, if we want to get to the final, we will at some point. Um <laughs> That's the challenge, but I think we've—it's got to be the aim, hasn't it? Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, well said. Well said, <laughs> Jesse. Is it coming home? Mm. No, probably not, Jim. Um, <laughs> is it France we play next? Likely, if we get through this one, it's the winner of France, Poland. Yeah, I think so. so yeah, so probably France then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that will be a huge test for us. If we get past that, then it will be full-on World Cup fever going into Christmas, and I think December is going to be very exciting for all of us. So let's see if we cross that bridge when we come to it. I did worry for um, Anderson when he was coming up against Mbappe because we know he's not the quickest, um, Anderson. But And there was a couple of times he was a bit flat-footed against him. Um I was, I was watching the France-Denmark game with a friend of mine and giving him the lowdown on Anderson and described him as having a cultured hoof, which I thought, <laughs> <laughs> I thought was uh, pretty pretty fair. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think we would similarly sort of struggle. We'd be stretched by the likes of France and the way they're playing. So if we get past that, who, who knows? 
I think, again, I'm doing really rudimentary sort of maths here. I think it would be Brazil in the semi if they get through from what I can see on that side of the draw. And then if they beat Brazil, that means Portugal would have been out. It, I guess it's then probably Netherlands or Argentina in the final. So there we go. Not that I'm getting ahead of myself, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Um, Shall I take a quick break? And uh, when we come back, um, we're going to talk about any players that have caught our, caught our eye. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.
Welcome back to the Five Year Plan World Cup podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, it's part three. Um, I thought in this bit we would have a look at some players that have caught our eye in the tournament. Um, obviously, I don't think Dougie Friedman's listening to this podcast, but on the off chance that he is and he needs a bit of help, maybe, are there any players this tournament, Grace, that have caught? Well, I've got two, two, two categories. Players that have caught your eye that you've just enjoyed watching. Maybe, you know, could be big ones, could be players you hadn't heard of. Or any that have caught your eye that you thought, come on, Dougie, th- th- have a look at this guy. I've enjoyed watching, and I'm probably going to butcher his name, and everyone else has probably heard of him because they're more cultured than me and I hadn't. But uh, Musiala, the German player, um, yeah. who... He's only 19, I think, and is at Bayern Munich, so obviously will not be one that Dougie will be poaching anytime soon. Um, but thought he had a fantastic, obviously they've gone out, but had a fantastic game um, against Spain yeah. um, and just looked brilliant. And also um, I was reading up on him, it's quite interesting. I think he was born in Germany to a German mother and a, I think he's got a Nigerian English dad um, and then lived here from when he was like seven or eight. Um, went to the Whitgift his secondary oh. school according to the encyclopedia of wikipedia um <laughs> and was one in chelsea's academy for a bit so i'm sure he'll be one they're disappointed to have let go but yeah he was he was brilliant to watch in, in their game against spain and obviously it's a shame that, that they've gone out so we won't be be seeing any more of them and didn't he play alongside jude bellingham in an england setup i think or something they, they were showing before one game i think so in one of the england under yeah. whatever age categories it was before he decided to to opt for Germany. He has been brilliant and he was good, really good at getting their final game when obviously they won, but then went out. But he, he has been absolutely superb. And as you say, probably not on Palace's list, but he has been, <laughs> he has been a joy to watch. Uh, anyone you've enjoyed watching Jesse? I guess I'll go. That's a better question. Maybe anyone you've, you've just really enjoyed watching this <laughs> tournament so far. I enjoyed the South Korea game against Ghana, which was three, two. And I really liked the Korean guy. He scored two headers. I think his name's pronounced Gi Sung Cho. Got his Wikipedia page up in front of me. He, both those headers were like PlayStation headers. He was just, <laughs> yeah. it. he sort of got in front of, between defenders to glance the first one. The second one was just power. Yeah. And he just went, went through the keeper into the roof of the net. So he just had this bit of dynamic kind of go-getter about him. He's he's still playing in Korea. He's 24. So he's playing for a team I've never heard of and won't attempt to pronounce. But yeah, it just sort of looks like one of those players who's ready to be plucked into one of the big leagues. Um, whereas then you, sometimes you you see a player and you get excited thinking he's slightly undiscovered, like the Kudu um, for Ghana. He's actually playing for Ajax. <laughs> so you're like, oh yeah, someone else, someone else has cottoned on to him early. So um that's when you feel deflated. When you find someone like this guy for Korea who's not quite made it into Europe yet, that that sort of seems like a could be a Dougie Friedman uh, investigation. Yeah, quite a lot of the Korean squad do still play in Korea, actually. Uh, I think it was the same with the Saudi Arabia squad. I think all of the Saudi Arabia squad still play in Saudi, I think I'd seen at some point. So I'm sure there'll be some people getting uh, big moves. Um, I asked Jack... Jack couldn't be on the podcast, but he was keen to be. I asked him for his players, his Dougie Friedman pitch. Would you like to hear the players he's picked out? Of course. Uh, he liked uh, Amrabat from Morocco, uh, plays for Fiorentina. So I don't think we're going to be getting him, but it says he's been very good. Sasa Lukic 
who plays for uh, Serbia and Torino. Uh, maybe Torino to Palace. That could be an interesting. Could, is that sideways? But it could be an, an upwards move. Uh, Jack says a younger, better passer of the ball than Luca leads sniffing around him. So there you go. Maybe in our ballpark. And Gibral Sal, who was linked with us in August, plays for the Swiss, has caught his eye. And then this guy, who I really enjoyed watching, Tarjan Buchanan from Canada. Who I think that the entire Canadian squad were an absolute joy to watch. They played every game like it was an FA Cup third round. They just the, the intensity they played with was amazing, and their coach was born in England as well. So they've been brilliant to watch them. Jack says uh, has uh, Buchanan is something very Palace about him, chaotic currently at Bruges. So there you go. Could well does feel like a sort of Palace player. They were brilliant to watch. Um, is there anyone else that caught your eye that you think Palace could go for Grace? It might be on uh, on Dougie's list. I don't know. I'd quite like not not anyone in particular, but I'd quite like to, to see us um, maybe tap into sort of the the Asian market a bit more. Um, particularly, obviously, after Japan's success um, and how how good they were. And I think I saw um, a quote. I think it's from Mourinho after they beat Germany, saying about how he wasn't surprised that J- Japan had done so well because he said European football was a lot about egos and individuals but in japan their culture isn't like that at all they're all very selfless sort of team orientated and so maybe there's a market that we could could try and tap into that's a really interesting angle actually yeah and you've seen that in their game both their games where they've beaten uh germany and spain which is absolutely mad when you think about it you're absolutely right with that sort of culture that culture clash which is one of the beauties of the world cup actually that we do see teams from different areas and different cultures and and bringing what they bring uh they've been brilliant the guy that caught my eye from japan was uh ritsu doan who um i think has scored at least one goal and was involved in the goal that um the controversial goal against uh, against Spain that did not cross the line. He's looked really good. Shall we talk about controversies quickly? Jesse, let's come to you, because I know that you are <laughs> massively anti-VAR, but th- it's been a mad World Cup for decisions. There- there's been some horrendous ones that I still can't believe the-, the penalty for Portugal, where the defender was falling down, trying to break his fall and put his hand on the... I cannot believe that was given. And some guy on Twitter, some football journalist who's more connected than I am, found that in the IFAB rules, it lit- it says anyone do, uh, breaking their fall, touching the ball doesn't count. There was literally a photo in the handbook, the exact same thing happening, saying this is not a penalty. The fact that at least, well, one referee and three or four VAR people have given that is mad. But then on the flip side, with the Japan goal, you're saying VAR at its best because that, obviously didn't go out. Yes, it was marginal and there's sensors in the ball and FIFA did eventually release a photo showing that by the smallest of margin, it didn't go out. And you saw journalists and pundits online going, the ball's clearly out. Like they'd never heard of a sphere. It's like trying to debate with a flat earth society. They're just, now their minds being blown that footballs are round. <laughs> Grace, we know that Jesse's not a fan of VAR. Are you? And has your decision been swayed by any of these mad decisions? I think, as as we've sort of discussed many times, the concept of VAR um, is a good one. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to the humans that are watching in the in the VAR room making the decision. And some of those still have been hard to understand how they've reached the conclusion that they had. Um, I mean, some of them, like obviously the Japan goal yesterday, where, like you say, they've got the the sensors in the ball and, and the curvature of, of the ball as well. And I think it was Gr- Graham Souness was going absolutely nuts, yeah. saying, how could this possibly have happened? So I wonder what his reaction was after FIFA had actually sort of confirmed it. 
Um, so for things like that, where it's it's not subjective, it is objective whether the ball was yeah, in yeah. or not. I think that's definitely what what VAR was intended for. But I, I still think it's the subjective decisions that it still doesn't seem to be working the way they intended it to. Yeah, I think you're right about it. it is I would kind of forget that it is um, officials, it is humans making the errors. Like it's not, um, as you say, when it comes to goal and technology, like it, it's black or white, and whether it is over the line or not is is not debatable. It is these almost interpretations. For example, you know the, the Portugal one; those the referees obviously interpreting that wrong, and there has been other decisions as well. Although I, actually, my mind has gone blank, so I've been trying to look up some other decisions um, as well. But there's been oh, there was there was the one in the France game where Griezmann scored and then it was given offside, but the referee already blown for full time. So now France are apparently campaigning for the game to be replayed or I think all the goal, which obviously is not going to happen, the goal to stand. But even then I was confused because like he wasn't offside when the ball went in, but he was when it was headed across. So what is first phase of play? What is second phase of play? It's 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 messy, Jesse, isn't it? Well, I just thought the messy penalty was an absolute disgrace. The ball had already left his head before the keeper oh, made yeah, it. That one, yeah. Before the board left his head, before the keeper made any contact with him. So I don't understand where the um, <laughs> where the logic is there. I just thought it's a new low. There is the thing about VAR is there's a new low pretty much on a weekly basis, and it's it, it's we're not far off now. One of those end of year documentaries, the worst VAR decisions ever made. And I think if you put them all together in like a one hour documentary, the few reaction clips from journalists and players it would actually make quite shocking viewing it's um it's just just decimated the simplicity of football it's the, the whole beauty of football is it's just it's just kick and rush and it, it doesn't slow down you know it is an endurance test that you know gets the adrenaline going like no other sport and i feel like we've lost a bit of that um but you know it's, i can't see a way back there's no way it's going to completely uh, be eradicated but there, there is you just hope that they've got enough learnings um, to be taken into account just to make sure that it's optimised. It just needs to be optimised because it's there. It's making decisions there that it which was never designed for. So, I mean, I've almost given up moaning about it um, just because I feel like I've de- been repeating myself and it's, yeah, but, you know, you just, just when you think you've seen it all, and I know this is a cliche, you just see something again. You're just like, how, how is this? actually happening um i just i find it quite weird because i think the first time it was used was the last world cup the first time it was used in the world cup it was actually brilliant it was used really well and there's barely any controversy they just kept it really simple um and just used it for contentious decisions uh but you know it's there is an element of a solution looking for problems now yeah i think that is true um i wonder if there's a there's a world where they actually go because this has been the first time they've had the semi-automated offside, and that seems to work very well, and no one's arguing about that. There's a world where we go just to goal line, semi-automated offside, these black and white things, and then actually leave the subjectivity back to the referees as it was before, because it's, it's no different. If anything, it's worse. I, ha- I will say, though, Grace, and maybe it's because I'm a bit of a theatrical person, I do enjoy the theatre of the ref going over to the screen. I mean, you know what's going to happen. Like, very rarely they sit their decision. I think one ref this tournament has stuck with this decision. But I do like it. when they. And you can see the refs love it as well. They turn around, they walk back, they do the sign, they give that. It's always really like Mike Dean-style over-egged arm. I do quite like the 
theatre of that. Do you, do you enjoy that or does that wind you up? When when you're not at the game, it's a bit more enjoyable. When it happens yeah. at a game you're at, so like when it happens at Selhurst, obviously the screen that they come over to is is right in front of where I sit. Um, and that's that's much less enjoyable when they come, but especially because it's inevitably us that are going to have a decision <laughs> given against us that we don't like. Um, but yeah, it's all a bit... And, and then sometimes the amount of time it takes to make the decision. Um, and it's like if you're watching it over that many times in slow motion, et cetera, and you still can't make a decision, it just that's when it starts to become a bit like, well, well what's the point in this? You're ruining, like Jesse says, the sort of fast nature, the immediacy of everything, which is part of the joy of football, that you don't get the stoppages like you get in rugby and other sports, yeah. even though obviously they explain their reasoning. But it's sort of non-stop really um so yeah it's yeah that has been that, that has been when you talk about watching it watching a game live and for um decisions happening in real time it's been quite difficult with my kids to explain what's happened because I, I don't know i don't necessarily know yeah, what the yeah. um violation was and so he's bewildered, saying, what's happened? And you kind of end up, have, end up having to guess or make it up just so he doesn't get have a confusing experience. And that, that is just an unwanted side effect of it all, uh, among among many others that we've talked I, about. I wonder if they should Im- employ a sort of like a 90-second a timer. Because you're absolutely right, Grace. If you can't like make a decision after four minutes, you might as well stick with the initial decision. It's clearly not... Um, what's the phrase they're using? Clear and obvious, Clear and obvious. error. Maybe they should give them like 90 seconds. And if they can't decide in 90 seconds, you sit with the decision. And then after the game, if it turns out they were wrong, well, they can say we had 90 seconds and we couldn't decide. And that hopefully then, Jesse, would keep the momentum of the game going rather than having these four or five minute breaks where no one knows uh, what's going on. So um, that's my pitch to be head of FIFA. If you guys <laughs> vote for that, that'd be great. And uh, we can clear up this entire mess. Um, I think we should stop there. Guys, thanks so much. And, I really appreciate you joining me and chatting about the World Cup. Uh, Grace thinks it's coming home. I, Jesse doesn't. I did not explicitly say oh, those you? words. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, if, well, it, if it does, then I will claim responsibility. <laughs> I'll join you. I, I want to say it's coming home. Come on, you know, what, when can we not, as England fans, I think, uh, although I'm half Irish, so I've got to be very careful, um, enjoy a current crop because they are very good and quite likeable. So uh, let's see. Anyway, guys, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, and we hope you enjoyed that, guys. Uh, tweet us in and let us know what your thoughts are on any things we've discussed and maybe we'll do another one towards the end of the tournament as well but in the meantime uh, thanks to Beer52 for sponsoring us go to beer52.com slash FYP to get your free beers uh, and we'll see you again next week uh, with the quiz so uh, thanks for listening goodbye Podcast Network.